Welcome to Wake the Bear Radio with your host, Brandon Johnson, Chris Hurst, and Ron Powers. Roar. Roar. Love that roar. Hey, we did, all three of us did a roar. Yeah, that must a, mean it's going to be an yeah, awesome night tonight. A collective roar. Yes. I think something's erupting within the bear, and mm. it's coming out of all of us. Yeah, we're we're going to see this bear redeemed. We're going to see it woken up. We're going to see people taking back. We, the people, start ruling this uh, state instead of the elites and the globalists and the plans they have. Are and just the crazies. The crazies, <laughs> man. Well, You don't want to make Santa Cruz weird? <laughs> I don't think we have, don't, don't have to do anything to make Santa Cruz weird. I think it's already achieved, achieved its goal. Well, welcome, everybody. We're glad you're here on Wake the Bear Radio, KSCO. We're going to be taking calls tonight. Um, we'll hope you call in uh, about 35, 835, uh, 479-1080. Call in. We'd love to hear your comments, your questions. We, we, we love it when people don't agree with us, and we have to actually interact and have debates and discussions. So we'd love you to call in, 479-1080. Uh, it's a, a special night. We actually um, have... Vicki Norton, who is running for assembly in California, assembly number 30, I believe. Is that right, Chris? That's right. That awesome. is right. So, so she's well, going to be coming on in a few minutes, but we have, what's, let's, let's talk about what's been going on. There's just a lot of good news out there yeah. happening. Last week, well, good news. I'll start off with a kind of a bummer news, which is Steve <laughs> Bannon. Uh, you know, he was found uh, with contempt for Congress. Right. And it's really interesting because it, the Democrats have never been convicted of contempt of Congress. Congress, yes. Mm, yes, well, we, we, we've all been fighting our contempt, haven't we? Uh, well, I think that's, uh, that, that Steve Bannon getting uh, guilty of contempt of Congress is actually a, a chess move. Yeah, And I, I think he and Trump talked about it ahead of time and said, yep, I'm going to let you go in and go ahead and let them. They're going to they're gonna go ahead and uh, convict you, and guess what? You're going to set a precedent for when we're back in power and yep. we start pulling up people. Good for the goose is good for the gander. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it was just 24 hours before this guy uh, that was, well, Lee, Lee Zeldin was running uh, and he was on a platform okay. as a fundraiser uh, to be a congressperson. And this crazy guy jumps on the stage and tries to stab him. And they release him within 24 hours. And that so, was right the day before. So f threatens physical violence. Yeah. And actually attempted violence and they let him out within 24 hours and we've got our friend jake lang still in a federal prison after 18 months for yeah. helping save people's lives on january 6th double standard double, double standard. standard yeah i think uh what was it uh tucker was comparing uh, eric holder and the irs uh, laura lerner both were held for contempt of congress but uh, you know eric holder was gun running in Mexico. Wow. And uh, Laura was targeting conservatives for IRS audits, and they both um, were held for contempt, and they walked free and stuff like that. Uh, here's a good one. Okay. Pastor Arthur. Pastor yes. Arthur Plowski. He is, uh, well, you want to talk to him? No, I mean, he's amazing. Go ahead. Yeah, he's a Canadian pastor, and he was put in prison for... Um, defying the mandates. defying the mandates. I mean, I loved it. He was like in his church and they were standing there with masks on demanding that they shut down his service. And he's like, you Nazis, get out of here. You Nazis, get out of my church. I've already worked, dealt with you in Poland because he's Polish. And he's like, he told them to get the heck out of his church multiple times. Oh, yeah. I got a little clip here just to show how forceful he was. I'm just going to play the last minute of it. That's courageous, um, man. But, you know, I'd be interested in your opinion on this. After. Go, go for it. Go. So go. Go! And don't come back without a warrant. Out, Nazi. Out! Out! You understand? Nazis are not welcome here. Out! And don't come back without a warrant. Do not come back without a warrant. You understand that? You're not welcome here. Nazis are not welcome here. Gestapo is not welcome here. Do not come back, you Nazi psychopaths. <laughs> And there's a man that actually his family dealt with the Nazis in Poland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he saw those tactics. Uh, so basically what had happened was it was Easter Sunday. He's having a service, and there's six police officers that come to decide, hey, we're going to shut down your service and tell everyone to leave. And this man stood up. And, and, and so a lot of people might go, oh, that seems so abrasive and, and, and well, not, not Not very nice and loving. Is that Je Jesus? Would, would Jesus you? love them? I'm like, uh, Jesus picked up a whip and drove people out, and I don't think he pretended to whip them. I think he actually whipped them and got them out of the 
Yeah. What do we call them? Uh, whitewashed tombs? Tombs and brood of vipers. You're full of dead men's dead bones. Men's I mean, bones. that's rotting and, and uh, vipers. Yeah, that's, an, I mean. In other words, there's time for righteous anger to come out. And when someone t- tells you that you have to shut down your church because of a global pandemic, because, you know, they're going to create any emergencies they can if they can use, if they can violate laws t- during emergencies, they'll just keep creating them. So anyways. Long story short, he gets, uh, so he goes to jail twice. Right. And then. Uh, they arrested him on the side of the road after church because they didn't want to do it in well, front of the church. shut down the highway in the middle of the rain yeah. and uh, Dragged him, him out of his car time. like he's like a massive criminal. Yeah, they hogtied him and, and stuff. And they threw him in uh, a jail, you know, and all that stuff, uh, you know, cement cell. Anyway, what happened was it went to a court of appeals and unanimously they did his favor. They said, this was not right. This was illegal what they did to you. And so looking illegal. back. It, this was an unlawful thing that happened, and this man stood up, and, and so you think it's abrasive, but really what was happening was there was an unlawful act trying to shut down the service, right. and he stood up. Okay, so that's a good one. Another couple good ones are out there before we're going to have our guest speaker on. Russia defense minister claims Hunter Biden and George Soros are linked in, U- in the Ukrainian bio labs. Oh, yeah. So that's a yeah, big deal. That was a good one. Yeah, I got a clip for that, too. Okay, and, uh, then, and then the public health director... George, here's a good one. Here's a funny one. The public health director for George Soros Open Society, Sebastian Kahn, goes to I think it's the to New York City has has sexual relationships with multiple men in one weekend, and he gets monkeypox and he blames the system for failing him. He is a on the health director position, so he knows what STDs are. He shouldn't be. I mean, if anybody should know the know better, it should be him, and he's blaming the system for failing him. Yeah, I, I just thought that was the ultimate hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah so the, the Russian um, director uh, of the Ministry, Ministry of Defense Ministry, yeah, yeah. He, uh, this, is, this is basically what they're saying, they're, that they found Hunter Biden and George Soros that are linked to Ukrainian labs. Wow. Biolabs. Biolabs. And so just... Uh... In particular, the investment fund Rosemont Seneca which is headed by Hunter Biden. Rosemont Seneca Partners is the firm tied to Hunter Biden, the U.S. president's son. And the Russian defense ministry is listing uh, financial entities that are involved in these bio labs in Ukraine. Now, they also listed George Soros's Open Society Institute uh, and the Open Society Foundations, uh, which are also involved with them, and uh, as well as the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine and the Ministry of Health of Ukraine uh, and the U.S. Department of Threat Reduction. Um, all of them seem to be tied in with these bio labs. Um, and it appears that, uh, that, that Rosemont Seneca Partners, uh, the reason that they would be involved is because they have a relationship with Metabiota and Black and & Beach, which are main suppliers of Pentagon Biolab materials. Now, yeah, and he goes on with that. And, you know, just to make sure it wasn't Russian, quote, propaganda, right. um, I went back and listened to that interview with Jack Maxey mm-hmm. that uh, Mary Grace did. Jack Maxey was one of the few people that have the Hunter Biden laptop. He got it from um, uh, Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, so, and he was saying the same thing, and Metabiota and all that stuff. So I went back and just said, okay, yes, it's confirmed. So we try to check our sources. So check our sources, um, wake in the bear one step at a time. Um, we've talked about a lot of global stuff, so I think now it's start to talk about some local representation. Yeah, let's bring it on home to our, our precious state of California, and let's wake up the bear with Vicki Norton. She is running for State Assembly District 30 for the November election, and she has spent 25 years as a family advocate and community leader. Her public service has included classrooms, front rooms, boardrooms, and courtrooms through our region. And her business career began in real estate, and later her passion for restoring families led her to work as a youth director at the Presbyterian Church in Carmel, and she impacted youth on school campuses. Her public service continued as a CASA, court-appointed special advocate for children, and later a family liaison in the juvenile justice system. Vicki continued her advocacy work with a focus on mental health. She also served as a member of the civil grand jury, overseeing claims of government corruption, accountability, and management. Oh, yes, we can use some of that right mm-hmm. now. And so we want to welcome Vicki Norton on our show tonight. Welcome, Vicki, to Wake the Bear Radio. Radio at KSCO. Welcome, Vicki. Well, thank you. This is um, 
I have a question for you. <laughs> I'm, little, I'm, getting, I'm getting a little rebound here, so I hope you guys, the, your listeners are, but how, where did you come up with the name Wake Up the Bear? Uh -oh. Well, the initial name was going to be Question the Narrative because we came to conclusion that uh, six mega corporations control about 95% of the media in this uh, in this nation and uh, we we wanted some alternative media to be able to get the message out so we said well how about wake the bear one of the reasons is also we came after the show called the uh, elephant in the room so we kept with the the animal theme <laughs> but the but yeah the bear on the flag of california we're waking waking her up that's right oh, and you That's sound awesome. good. Like We're that. not getting any feedback at all. So you sound good from our end. And so you okay. just keep your voice coming through that uh, radio airwaves. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to share about my, cam my campaign. Oh, boy, I'm getting such a feedback. Um, Let's anyway, see. Do, fix that? do you have uh, a radio on in... Uh, around, make sure you're not listening to KSCO and anything local that you're just on the computer, and that should should fix some of the the feedback. We got our sound guy coming. We in. have Mr. Producer. Can you come in and fix the problem? Alec, Alec. the savior here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't have it on. Mm -mm, real bad feedback. It's not very loud though. So okay. we're just talking. Yeah, every time to, I speak, it just comes it, back. Is it input so levels? It's coming back. Staying really bad. I guess we'll just have to have her. Yeah. Just call the phone. If you so want to just call the phone number. Uh, call back in. We're going to say. Either that or you could try it without the headphones, too. I, I would just call back in. We're going we're gonna to say some more amazing things about you while you call back in, 479-1080. Okay. So I'll, I'll just call on my phone? Yep. Yeah. The 831-479-1080. Okay. 479 Yeah. Okay. All right, thanks. Bye. Yeah, and, and, and if you've heard the bio here of Vicki Nordum, and I'm, I'm Norton, I'm looking to forward to hearing her story. She's a fighter. She's fighting for people who are underprivileged or, or underrepresented, uh, underrepresented, and she's um, she's the kind of person that's down the street that, that that's your neighbor that you wish would run for office, and she is running for office, and so um, we're just excited that people. I mean, this is a this is a movement of putting the power back in the hands of the people no longer in the professional lawyers. We're putting in the hands of people who actually fight for, for people. And that's one of the reasons we want Vicki Norton on the show tonight. So are you back on there, Vicki? Uh, not yet. Okay. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, we've heard that is helpful in changing things at a national level is to begin things at a local level. And she is a local candidate. And when you want to figure out, how do I support local candidates? Well, there's lots of ways. You get to know your candidate. That's one of the reasons that we're having her on tonight. Uh, and you can research their opponents, their voting records, their position, and their history. So you really understand uh, who is the best candidate for the job. Yep. And then you can get some swag and you can wear some buttons and T-shirts and invite conversations wherever you go. You could put a yard sign up in your yard and, and create neighborhood conversations. You can walk your precinct and you can call your friends and ask for their support. So this is something that is just not up to her. It's up to all of us once we find a good candidate. We want to get behind that good candidate uh, a hundred percent. So, including fundraisers and coffees and donations. All right. Hey, it looks like we got you back on, Vicky. All those things. Oh. Yes, I'm back. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, you actually, yeah, yeah. You sound really good and a little bit louder. So, hopefully, the the audience oh, will hear. Good. Yeah. The other one was not. That it was just giving me such a feedback. It was like a reverb, and it was just very distracting for me. So, thank you for sharing about why you named yourself Wake the Bear and followed the elephant in California's on the flag, that grizzly bear, and um, that's exciting. So thank right. you for having me on tonight. Yeah, so awesome. We're, we're glad you're here. Uh, it's an honor to have you. Um, so, Vicki, can you just kind of give us a little bit heads up of what caused you to enter the race for the California Assembly? Well, what caused me to enter the race is probably what everybody else is thinking about there. Out there, we have got to do something. This just can't keep going on in this direction. So I really decided to run, um, you know, because there's so many agenda-driven policies that they have had for so long, year after year after year, that are being decided by legislators who I feel are not listening to the people who elected them. Like, they even go there to the legislature, and the legislator is just... Um, 
let them say a few words and then just decide to do what they're going to do. And I decided if you want to see change, you've got to be the change. So my husband and I spoke about it and, um, you know, we decided, yes, I, I will run. I, I care about my community. I care about my state. And I decided it was time to be the change I wanted to see. Wow. Well, awesome. you have entered into the lion's den there. <laughs> so we just, we want to encourage you and we are excited that there's going to be a strong candidate for a position in that assembly seat. It's a brand new assembly seat, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Let me just tell the listeners who, who may not know where Assembly District 30 is a little bit. It's in the beautiful county of Santa Cruz. Although we don't have a real large portion of it through the redistricting, I was actually shocked when they divided Santa Cruz into three portions, to be quite honest with you. But the portion that I've got, I'll say, is the most beautiful, of course. <laughs> no. um, we, we, we have the, the portion from the Yacht Harbor uh, you know, if you're going to come um, south, you know, you have the Yacht Harbor, you have Tapatola is like the largest city for, for us in our district. We have Live Oak, SoCal, but it also goes all the way down the coast here into beautiful Monterey, the peninsula portion of the Monterey Peninsula, where my husband and I live in Monterey County. Um, and then it goes down into encompassing uh, pretty much the entirety except one portion of uh, San Luis Obispo County. Um, it spans across three counties. It's about a two and a half hour drive one way. And it's, it, I, I love these three counties. They're absolutely beautiful. My husband's family is from Santa Cruz County. We own a timeshare in San Luis Obispo and we live in Monterey. So we have our feet in the land of these three counties and um, we're just very thankful to live here. And I love living in Monterey. I, I want to brag a little bit here. Um, uh, for those of you who don't don't know this, uh, this is where the California Constitution was signed, right here in Monterey County. We came in as the 31st state to the nation, and we came in as a non-slave state, by the way. And our Constitution was signed in both Spanish and English. And so I like to say that from the beginning of California, when she began to lay her foundation, she had a good beginning. Oh, wow, I learned something right from there. That was awesome. So really, your demographics are very, um, they're very diverse. You've got the farmers, you've got the surfers, and you've got small businessmen and women. Um, what other demographics do you have in, in, these, in District 30? Yeah, thank you. I love that you put the surfers in there, too. That's great. Uh, we have agriculture, as you said, the livestock. We have, uh, you know, vineyards, commercial fishing on Monterey Bay, and also down there in the Morro Bay area, hospitality, tourism, a lot of government agencies, uh, lots of small businesses, and um, just opportunity. You know, I just it's a beautiful area, very Coastal, beautiful, of course. You know, we have the beach boardwalk down there in Santa Cruz, um, which all of us like to go. And then that roaring camp, you know, with the train and all. Mm -hmm. So, um, right you know, we, we have really you know, beautiful communities. Uh, we raised, my husband and I, we raised our kids here in, in this Monterey area. And um, one of our sons is in the Air Force, so he's not here locally, but one is. And so I have... Three beautiful grandchildren here, seven in all. So it's a little bit about me in this beautiful area. And I am not going to leave California. Yeah. Um, I'm here to stay. And, you know, we have seen, um, you know, thousands of people leave the state of California. Even, you know, thousands of businesses 300, leave the 000. state of California. Yeah. And you know where they went? Some of them, I was really shocked. They went to Mexico. So no. we have people at the border uh, leaving Mexico to come here to work, and we have people who live who lived here in California who are working in California, but they're now living in Mexico. Expats. And and part of and part of the reason they did that is they didn't want to go to Texas. It's it, it, it just they didn't like the weather, and they didn't like the weather in Arizona or some other places. Too so many said, X's in Texas. Live? Florida, Florida. <laughs> yeah, Florida. Idaho. Well. Yeah, but so they moved there because the dollar, you know, was strong to the peso, and so they could go down there and work from home, from, you know, their new home, their buying land down there. Wow. And they, uh, so I read an article, I was really pretty shocked, I think it said like 361,000 people have left the state of California, so if you're 
a U-Haul owner, you're probably thinking, wow, that's just been a really good year for me. Um, <laughs> because so many people, we had an exodus out of California. But back to some of those businesses, these were not small businesses either. You know, we're talking about Hewlett-Packard. We're talking about Oracle. Chevron just left. And then during the pandemic, we had so many uh, businesses that really were not able to, um, uh, you know, pivot out of COVID and they closed their doors. Mm. So California is known um, as, uh, you know, wherever California goes, so goes the nation, right? right? So yeah. I, I really feel like we lack a lot of leadership in our legislature right now. And for your listeners who might not be um, familiar with this term, it's called the trifecta government. And what that means is that every portion of whether it's our assembly uh, legislatures, whether it's the Senate legislatures or our executive branch of our government, it's all controlled by one party. And unfortunately, it's a party that has gotten progressively left. And that's really what's happening in our state today. When you have a one-party rule and a one-size-fits-all sort of model of government, um, it, it leaves the people out. And I think that's why some of the people have actually said, I'm leaving California out and wow. I'm leaving. So yeah. we, when we have a government like that, and um, one thing I'd like to share with people, because I always think I'm a big picture person, I always like to you know, sort of pull it out and look at it a little bit bigger here. Um, in, in our assembly, we have 80 assembly seats in the state of California, and we have 40 state Senate seats. And um, there are all 80 of those assembly seats are up for election every two years, every two years. So every two years, you have an opportunity to um, vote someone in to work for you or vote someone out who's not working for you. That's every two years mm -hmm. in the uh, state assembly. All 80 seats are up for election and 20 of the 40 Senate seats are up for election right now in 2022. So we have a hundred percent opportunity. That's a hundred seats that are up for election. I'm wow. not talking about the governor. We could add that, but um, you know, we, we have an opportunity and I like to say to the people out there, um, I'm applying for a job. That's what I'm doing. And so are all of the other candidates. They're applying for a job and they're applying for a job to work for you. Yeah, yep. definitely. Uh, that mindset is what I'm looking for. Someone that works for the people or for us rather than, uh, it seems like it's the only job that you can totally fail at and still and, get reelected re reelected if you have money behind you, you know, and, 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 and I'm one so of the things, sorry. Uh, the, one of the things I was so impressed in your bio was just your background working with CASA, which uh, I've been involved in the uh, foster care system. You know, we've taken in some before and uh, got very familiar with the CASA. So I know the type of person that you must be to be involved in that. And that is so polar opposite of the professional um, politician that has big money behind them yeah. that, uh, you know, without naming other names, but, you know, the ones that are just... The, the ones that have a career. The lawyers that can say all the yeah. right words, but they have no heart. Yeah. And you have a heart for people, and you can tell that. Definitely. So well, I have a question you. for you. Uh, so sure. what are you hoping to accomplish um, by getting this district seat? I mean, what, what are your personal thoughts on that? Well, really for myself personally, first of all, I would just want to say I really don't carry an agenda. The only agenda that I'm really carrying is to represent the district, to listen to the people, and what, what do I want to do when I get there? Um, I want to, first of all, let the people know who are there, no matter what side of the aisle they're on, we are there to represent the people and the bills and the policies that we are choosing to introduce or you know pass legislation on. Let's make sure that it benefits the people and not special interests. Let's care about the voice of the people, which um, so many feel that they are just not being heard. I had... Um, an interview earlier today and you know uh, we were talking about the community and they said it's so important that you know the government has been sending this one size fits all model in for anybody who goes shopping you, you know that doesn't work really <laughs> um it, it doesn't work and so you know they the people want more of a local voice and a local control they don't want all of this um you know, government interfering in every portion of their lives. And they just said, you know, I, I was researching some things earlier this year, and 
there were over 2,000, yes, 2,000, 2,000 bills that would have been introduced going into different committees. Some of them they didn't come out of committee. Some of them they failed to get to the committee, but over 2,000 bills this year. 2,000. Do you need 2,000 new bills in the state of California? Oh, wow. No. 2,000. We need to get rid of it's some crazy. bills. It's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. And why do we why do we need so many new bills? Are, are we is it that bad out there? No. Uh, what I'm finding personally is that they are creating problems, not solutions. And we could start off with AB5. Yeah. Right now. You know, we've got that going on where you know, where truckers. we have the truckers, yeah, the truckers who are at our ports and saying, you know, we're not taking all these supplies, you know, you have got to let us be who we are. We want to be independent contractors. However, you know, there was a lady, she's former, and I love the word former in what I'm about to say. She's the a former assemblywoman. She's gone. Former assemblywoman Gonzalez, she's the one who authored and pushed that bill called AB5. It was union-backed and union-paid for, endorsed by Governor Gavin Newsom. And what it has now done is it's affecting not only us in the state of California, this bill, but it's affecting the whole nation because it's going to cut off supply lines nationwide. These are truckers that take these supplies from every port and go all across the nation. Yep. So this consequence of what – so what, what I'm saying is they created a problem. They did not create a solution. Yeah, and that's what I think that's what people are really uh, really upset about is there's so much regulation, there's so much taxes, there's so many agendas going on that are not what the people want, and like you said, they're creating they're creating problems, and they think that, you know they're trying to fix things and they're making it worse. Yeah, it's such a big problem that the con Congress uh, they sent a letter to Governor Newsom, I think it was yesterday or the day before, that said, would you relook at AB5 because you're affecting the supply line, not just for California, but for the whole nation. Wow. And it is having negative effects exactly. for, for uh, groceries on the shelves, for farmers delivering their goods, for the import. There's a large amount of import that comes in through the the port, uh, Los Angeles port, that's stuck there because they will only be able to use union drivers. And so they've got all these container ships with things that are backed up. They say they won't be able to um, finish the backload until 2024. Oh, my gosh. No, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it yeah. was crazy. So would oh, that be a special seven, seven I'm sorry. I was just going to add that there, these are 70,000 workers, truck, truckers, who said, would you please just let us run our own company, be an independent contractor, choose our own hours, choose what we want to do, you know, and, and that should be a right to be able to do that. And, and basically the government is taking that away. Now, that lady who I mentioned, who's the former, remember, former, former <laughs> assemblywoman, she's gone, hallelujah for me, but... Um, you know, she she was totally a union-backed person, and then she went, she left the assembly, and you know now she's leading the union. So you know where she was all the time. Wow. So we have so many agenda-driven politics and policies that that's really what's wrong with Sacramento right now. The people, why you know you asked the right question. Why do you want this job? And I want this job because I care. I love California. I want to see it be the best we can be, the golden state. Let's just come back to some good basics, some good common sense, and solutionary approaches without being for sale. Mm, so good. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I just looking at some of the other things that we have as issues, you know, we have uh, an issue with homelessness, uh, crime. Um, the quality of life seems to have gone down. What are some of the things that you would... Education. <laughs> yeah, education, uh, one of the worst in the country. Uh, the Religious state. freedoms or just freedom at all, right? Yeah, what are some of the things that you would do if you were in control there to, to change well, that? Sure. Since you, since you mentioned education, um, uh, that's, I think that's at the top of the list for parents and many grandparents. And really on a national level, we're seeing... We're seeing more people uh, wanting to run for school board. There'll be quite a few positions open um, across the state and in, in your areas. If you're listening, you can look up. Uh, well, we just saw what happened in San Francisco. 
where some very liberal school board members, you know, lost their seats because people said, enough, you know, basta, enough, we've had it, right? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Spanish for enough, by the way. Enough. <laughs> um, you know, they said it, I mean, you know, and they did something about it. They just didn't sit there. You know, at first I think they thought some of these things were okay, and then when they, they saw the outcome of what was happening, they decided this is not okay. So education is really at the top of the list with parents and grandparents. Um, as I mentioned, school board race is coming up. You can look that up. I I think what parents, when during COVID, uh, when there were many schools that were shut down, many businesses, as you mentioned, churches, I heard you say that while I wasn't on, but I could hear you speaking. And, um, you know, parents saw what was happening when you closed these schools, when when you then say, you know, dictate mask mandate and teach curriculum that divides instead of educates. And I think they were like, what is going on with our kids? And I think it woke up, well, maybe that mama bear that you're talking about. (laughs) The mama bear said, and the daddy bear, right? So, like, hey, wait a minute. Something's not right here. Um, Why don't we have curriculum that teaches the children principles that our nation was founded on? Like I mentioned, how we came into the nation as a non-slave state, okay? But, you know, so we came in. We weren't perfect. uh, But we were a nation of freedom and liberty and justice for all. We matured and we kind of grew in, in our foundation and our freedoms and very diverse and accepting. And I believe California is very all of that. But we need to teach our kids to respect authority, especially the, your parents. When you start undermining parents' rights, when you tell children, don't tell your parents, you better be concerned. Yeah, yeah, that's that true. And you're, you're talking about um, uh, local school boards that are open. And in Santa Cruz County, we actually have 49 seats that are open for wow. s- school districts. So it isn't as hard as people think. They, they think, oh, that's too hard for me. Well, you go into the county and you get the paperwork. You file your candidacy and you make a um, you figure out what your statement is going to be. And you stand for a school district on behalf of your children and the children of that neighborhood. So everyone that uh, has parenting skills and has some basic ethics and energy, they can go in and run. And these 49 seats need to be filled by some some mama and papa bears in our our county of Santa Cruz. Yeah, and you know, I want to add some things about that. When when my kids were going to school, I always um, helped, you know, whether it was with reading with the kids at school or on the campuses, selling pizza at lunch, so I could kind of see what was happening with kids and, and you know, just relationships and things like that. I also um, served on the PTA, but also served on uh, the Impact for Youth, which helped to educate parents and kids about the effects of drugs and alcohol. Um, but when I was part of the Parent Teachers Association, um, you know, we were always around the kids, working with the kids, working with the parents, um, working on programs. And, and you know, that's one way people can get involved. So some of the people maybe who have been serving on local PTAs might say, wow, this is an opportunity for me. I see where we need maybe, you know, a resource officer on the campus, or maybe we need to, you know, do something better with our community service hours and, you know, give the kids broad in that. I've had ideas for that too. But so, you know, there's opportunities with 49 seats. That's a lot yeah. of opportunity. Wow, that's a lot. Um, so, parents, I would just really encourage you. It doesn't take as much time as you think. And then you can see what's happening on the campuses with the kids. And, you know, we got a big drug problem right now with fentanyl. And yeah. there's, mm-hmm. it, it's really, it's important. Um, there's a lot of new mental health services that are coming into our education curriculum. Um, it would be good to have some parents at this time see what that looks like. How, how is that helping our kids? How can we work together with that? What, what does that look like? Because that's a new model that's coming in. So, I would encourage parents, there's there's a lot of things connected with the mental health end and the health end. Um, they're even looking for some models in what they call the low-income areas where they want to bring the entire health services on the campus. So now um, they have a yeah. lot of influence over that and, and maybe not the parents so much. So I think it's a good time to have a good look at this. 
So with the mental health uh, services, what do you think is broken currently right now that's causing such a high uh, neglect in that area? Well, I, I, during my campaign in my primary, I actually took a class um, that had to do with mental health first aid for our youth because I wanted to hear what coming out of COVID, what is this impact that it's had on our kids and, and how, how are they doing during this time? Um, and they said that, you know, anxiety is the number one issue that kids are facing today. And they found that some um, diagnosis of ADHD and some of those diagnoses that even though they could, perhaps they encountered it, when some of the uh, boys were younger during school, they were now seeing this happen in teenage girls. And um, so then they were dealing more with suicides and things like that where kids are making packs. You probably heard about some of those things. So, uh, so the mental health end of it, how are, how are our kids handling all the um, when they were not able to come together and socially yeah, interact down. and, mm-hmm. It, it was very difficult. I, I spoke was, to some of the youth at that time and, you know, asked them, how are you doing? They said, we want to go back to school. I said, I'm going to write that down and tell your mom. And, um, you know, kids want to stay home from school a lot. But, you know, he was like, I just want to get back to school. We miss our friends. We, we miss just being together and working on projects together, that collaborative part of it. So I think we need to be really careful. I heard L.A. school district was thinking about pushing some mask mandates again oh and i'm gosh. thinking you know this is this is just not good for our kids it's very concerning as, as a matter of fact i want to share one little story i'll just turn it back to you is like my granddaughter who was going to preschool when this COVID thing happened and the only way she could go to preschool she had to wear a mask and uh, so i picked her up one day from school and then we went to a store and she said to me you know grandma pull your mask up and a little bit later, she goes, Grandma, pull your mask up. And I got right down, <laughs> looked at her in the face, and I said, is that what you learned at school today? It was, was that, <laughs> you know, is that what you learned today? And you could just see the shame that was associated with that with the kids, that they weren't doing it right. They weren't mm. being able to, you know, respond. I, I'm not doing it right. I, I don't even know what this is and why. And, you know, and um, I, I had to talk to my granddaughter. She said, you know, Grandma, I, I can't go back to preschool. There's germs there. I said, no, we can wash our hands and we can wash the germs away. It's okay. So there was a lot of fear coming at our children um, and very concerning. So yeah, and if uh, I mental s- health is important. All of us, if we spend six, seven, eight hours in Zoom, Zoom calls and in front of a screen, we're all going to be a little antsy and and uh, anxious so i think even the the um the way that they designed uh the the uh stay at home schooling was was a setup against children's mental health yeah well and, and a lot of it was funded by the federal government with the cares act they're saying listen tell us how you're going to enlist all these things to protect children in schools and then we'll give you money and so there's money tied to the the things that they did and then uh, all halfway through we figured out well most of this stuff isn't even needed but they kept enforcing it and it it was and it was turning out it was not helpful and kids don't barely even get covid and they're still being treated like they're in a you know a sane asylum basically i mean they're just or it's like a police state yeah it came down to the money right uh, because if they stopped even though they knew it wasn't working they wouldn't get the money right at least that's what i had read yeah, it's control it's control from the federal government which is people are not representing that i think which goes back to your main thing which is people are not representing um people in the government are not representing our local government so yeah i would like to say a couple of things about covid because um i was actually running a campaign in covid and um it was a time of pivoting out of something because at first we really we didn't know what was happening and we we didn't really understand how how did we need to respond to this and um many different counties in the state of california responded differently than other counties and i remember santa clara county was very locked down everything and very very difficult santa cruz was not far behind monterey little more moderate but a little pretty much the same but san luis, san luis obispo county was a lot more open um and it just it was a difficult time people didn't know 
you know, and then they called people essential workers and who was essential and who wasn't essential and why could we have these big box stores as it were open but not these small businesses. And I think it was a time of the very beginning of it, looking at it to say, oh, what what is this? How do we handle this? And I think some of the schools at the time, they were trying to mandate some changes to the um, – I'm trying to think of the right word here, but it had to do with all of the, uh, oh, the inhalation, you know, inside of the schools and things like that. They were saying they were going to have to change all of that. Oh, the HVAC that was, systems. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm trying to. I'm p- trying to pull that word out there. And so they were looking at that, and that was going to be tremendous amounts of money. Mm-hmm. And um, so at the time, there were so many unknown pieces and uh just looking at it at the time you know we none of us knew what that really what what was this structure that had come into not only our land but all of a sudden on a global level there was a lot of pieces there a lot of questions why and i remember being on one particular zoom call and um Someone was saying, well, they may not understand now, but they will come into behavioral compliance. And um, I was like, oh, my, that's really interesting. Um, and so so there were lots of pieces, and I think people didn't know exactly. And then there were other people who just said, you know, we, we can't, we've got to stand up, you know, like we talked a little bit about. But so back to education being the point um, – there was a lot of unknowns, and I think people, uh, parents who were home with their children, began to see there were some concerns that they had and some of the curriculum they were being taught. And um, so we're still facing a lot of that. So I'm happy for yeah. the 49 seats that people will have an opportunity to run for. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was particularly interested in the fact that my daughter was on a computer screen and she was being taught basically having transgenderism, uh, critical race theory, and um, abortion ideas shoved down her throat and she'd come home even crying saying dad i gotta listen to another eight weeks on evolution it was just like and as a pastor these are things that i care about i mean even even now i'm concerned about you know what, what's going on with california making all of these laws that are all about um injections and force injections and, and, and vaccine mandates and and I'm, I'm concerned about that for just basic freedoms being lost i'm concerned about pushing uh and making changing the california state uh, constitution to include abortion in in the constitution i mean those are things that i i just feel like are reprehensible in our in our government well what what you're saying is going back to really the foundation of what you started with was that's about your daughter mm-hmm. your daughter is being affected she is saying this isn't right i don't feel comfortable with this and so when are we going to listen to the children who are saying, I don't want to do this. I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. And that's really the bottom line of what you're talking about. Is, and so, so these bills and these policies that are being mandated as curriculum coming into our schools, um, we need to stand up and we need to say no. And during COVID, uh, my grandson, who would have been first entering into kindergarten, you know, put him in front of a screen in kindergarten. Yeah, that's not in right. the house. Yeah. Well, actually, we ended up putting him in um, a private school. You know, so he didn't lose that year of school, and a lot of kids were were losing lots. And going back to it, it, it is about the children, and yeah. we must be listening to them. And we must. How can how can you hear that and then send them right back into it? And um, sometimes, you know, we have to be able to stand up, even as young children, to say, you know, I just don't feel comfortable with that. Um, and uh, then having an advocate, which, of course, I was an advocate. I had kids' education rights as well. Um, you know, going in there and, and talking to them and making sure that people are listening. And then, like you say, bringing it to the school board, you know, running for school board. Education uh, is what will shape our community and our in our states and our nation in the days to come so it's very important that we're looking at what's being taught right now because that's the community that you're going to create for yeah. the future yeah hey vicky we we have about 10 minutes left and we we want to make sure if if we will take callers tonight if somebody has a burning tough question 
for Vicki and or wants to add their voice to the conversation, we want to invite you in. Just call uh, 479-1080 at KSCO and we will uh, let your voice be added to the conversation. So uh, one of your taglines is your voice, no labels. Would you just share a little bit of, of what that means, that tagline? Sure, I yeah, it's like I say, it's time to take the label off of politics. And what I mean about that is, you know, people just want to keep voting party lines. Sometimes they don't even look at who the people are who are running for that particular office. They just vote the same way. Like, I'll just vote for the people who are running in this party. Anybody could say they're a Democrat, and maybe they're not. Anybody could say they're a Republican, and maybe they're not. Um, whatever that letter, or an independent, um, and, and things like that. So I, how I feel about it is we've got to take the label off of politics and elect the best people who are going to represent the people of the district. We may not agree with every, uh, every article or, or every thing every time. However, you have to have somebody who's reasonable who has common sense, who says, you know, that's a good point. I like that point, as a matter of fact, but, but let's, let's also talk about it from this way. So you, so you broaden it. I, I worked on the civil grand jury. I served for two terms on it, and I never asked one of those people on the many committees I was on what their, what their politics were. We, we were there to do a job, and, and so we, we looked at how are we going to look into this this government situation that's happening how are we going to report on this we've got to get beyond that that's what's dividing us and polarizing us in our nation and that's what the media is driving all the time and, it, and it's got to stop yeah but no, it, stops it, with you. it stops with you so that that uh that label is is get uh take away the label of that that divides people i think one of the labels too is um with the Latino and Hispanic voter bloc, uh, they're, they're traditionally it's come in democratic, and yet you look at their lifestyle and most of them are moderates and not progressives. Uh, do you think the Hispanic vote will have a significant uh, part to play in your, um, your campaign? Mm -hmm. I think when if we want to see the change, which I've mentioned, see the change, be the change, but in order to do that, you have to change the way you think. So first of all, you have to say, you know what, I'm going to listen to that person. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to be bothered by which side of the aisle on they're on. They're talking to me about my family. They're talking to me about a safe community. They're talking to me about soft on crime policies. They're talking to me about inflation. These are all the things I care about in my family and parks and community and and making good choices. So if people can be listened no matter what side of the aisle you're on, can you just decide to listen and, and just listen to what that person is talking about? And then when you ask them, where do they stand on some of these policies? And so I think the Hispanic uh, vote is really, it's really important. They care about their families. That is such a big thing for them. They are such hard workers mm -hmm. and they care about the safety of their community, just like everybody cares about their children. And I take the labels off of every color, too. So I just take those labels off. And, you know, let's come together and find solutions for our state, for all of our children, mm. for all of our neighborhoods. That's good. That sounds good. Hey, Vicki, we got a caller. Uh, we got Rory from Watsonville. Rory, you're on the line. Hey, thanks for taking my call. And, and so, Vicki, you're running for assembly, correct? I am. Okay. Describe the district. Does it include the city of Watsonville? Help me out because no. I'm, I'm we, now in the yes, city. No, no. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it does not. It doesn't include there. Now, we did a forum there with some of the other candidates when I ran in the primary okay. in Watsonville, but it, but it does not include that beautiful area of Watsonville. Yes. Okay. So you like skirt Watsonville, go down through Pajaro Dunes, mm -hmm. right? Yes, we do. Okay. Exactly. Who's... Who's running for the Republican Assembly here in Watsonville, and what district is it? I, I believe that it's Stephanie Castro. Uh, I don't know the number of that district. I do apologize, okay. but uh, oh no, Stephanie that's okay. I, I, mm -hmm. Okay, I need to do my homework. The other thing is, and and this is, it'll need more time. This is philosophical. When you say you want something that's safe, when you describe 
what most of us would describe and define as safe. And you go to a hardcore leftist, forget calling them progressive, they're Marxists. When you pin them down and you say what's safe, they'll tell you no private property, the state raises your kids, your rights come from the state, not from God. So we're never going to see eye to eye with people. And the sooner we figure that out, acknowledge it, admit it to ourselves, then we'll know how the table is set for the battle. You're never going to have – they aren't divide and conquer. They, they divide and conquer people of goodwill and get us infighting. But they're, they're all about dominating. Yep. All and, right. And, well, and I, 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 one last question. AB 1070, do you remember what that was, Vicki, that got passed during the pandemic and, and Newsom um, signed it into law? What do you remember that? That, that was anybody, anybody, that forfeit, anybody that went into bankruptcy – on apartments, commercial, house, whatever. The state got first right of refusal. Okay, and I've tried looking that up. Hard to find any information on it. This was such a plan by Newsom and the other Marxists to steal property. They said, you don't have to pay rent because of the pandemic, you you poor tenant. But then, the you know, the, the landlord, if they are paying for it on a note that they can't cover the note, guess what? The state, number one, and then their cronies, two, three, four, and five, get first first round of refusal. All right. This hey, is such a scam. Rory, thank you. We only got two minutes. I'm going to let her uh, okay, finish, but thank you. you. Good points. Bye-bye. Good points. You got it. Thanks, Rory. Rory, thank you for calling in. Thank you for calling in. I'll look that up. All right. Yeah, if you have anything you wanted to say, Vicki, because we got two minutes. Um, okay, so thank I, you. I, I well, cut him off well, yeah. for that, but he had just, great I points. Just, that's okay. Yeah, he did, and I appreciate it. I will look that up, and certainly we all of us know that that's not right, and that's not just, and that's not the way that we do business, and that's not the way we build community and build a future for anyone. Um, so I just want to say thank you to the listeners. Uh, please go to www.electvicki.com. That's E-L-C-T-V-I-C-K-I dot com. And um, you can make comments there on our website. Follow us on Facebook, Elect Vicky. I'm always posting things about what's happening, and I will usually uh, um, uh, put on there, if there's a place for that, too, uh, where I would stand on that bill, um, where I would stand on those positions. Um, I'm really reachable. Um, love to talk and, you know, uh, love to listen as well. And I'm really appreciative that Rory called in and asked us and God bless Watsonville. We, um, my family, just in closing my husband's family many, many years ago, he's fifth generation named the part of Watsonville freedom. Um, many years ago, his, his, it was his family that did that. So yeah, so that's pretty cool history. So thank you, Rory, because it's that area. And thank you to each and every one of you for inviting me on. I do care about our community. I care about the future of California and I need your vote to get there. So let's get her in. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vicki. All all Vicki's links will also be on wake the bear radio, uh, com. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, good night, Vicki. Good night, listeners. God bless. Okay, good night. Thank you so much. This has been Wake the Bear Radio on KSCO, 1080 on your AM dial.